Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana, to call the show. It's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also um, leave your comments in the chat room on the Blog Talk Radio page. You can also click the Skype button from that page and connect directly to the show, or if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always uh, make your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the website over at liberaldan.com. Find this show's uh, thread and leave your comments there. Uh, tonight, later on in the show, I'm going to be talking with Candace Huber, owner of uh, Tubby and Coos. Uh, Mid-City Bookshop, and uh, she'll be discussing an event uh, that took place uh, in Gen Con um, and the aftermath of this panel. Uh, I'll leave it to her to discuss it or describe it more fully, and uh, we kind of can go off on on that uh, tangent. Um, And, you know, before that, I'll I'll be discussing issues uh, pertaining to the war on women. Um, But first, as always, we'd like to do... uh, This week's headlines. New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu is proposing a plan to remove Confederate monuments. Louisiana Senator David Vitter, candidate for governor, who was slipping in the polls, has come out against this plan, saying that the mayor should focus on crime and not monuments. Maybe that is because Vitter doesn't want anybody focusing on his prostitution scandal. One thing is for certain. uh, The Vitter Senate career has been a monument to hookers. Perhaps he just enjoys things that have been erected. Fox News reports us of a picture of a woman who's breastfeeding her child and another woman's child, and it has caused an uproar, an uproar, I say, on the Internet. Apparently, some of these people haven't yet heard of the idea of a wet nurse. People not knowing of things on the Internet? Shocking, I tell you. A new video claiming bad actions on the part of Planned Parenthood has come out, Apparently, the so-called Center for Medical Progress has never heard of the story of a boy who cried wolf. Why anyone would continue to believe them is beyond me. Finally, Baywatch is apparently getting its own rated R movie, starring none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Expected R cameos from the TV show. I personally will be disappointed if there is no running. They should just run all the time. Run. Run. Run, Yasmin! Run like the wind! And that has been this week's headlines. Now, uh, before I go and talk about 
the main topic of the show, uh, which is uh, the war on women um, and how the Republican Party has uh, managed to continue it, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I did want to go over uh, the tweet of the week. Um, is uh, is a great picture. Uh, if, you, if you're familiar, the, the movie Straight Outta Compton is coming out, um, and there's been a lot of you know where you could you know say where you're straight out of, and a lot of people have taken it to just put their own hometowns. You know, some of them don't necessarily like follow. Like I don't necessarily. Someone's from Tickfaw, Mississippi, um, and I don't necessarily quite think Straight Outta Tickfaw actually. Um, really flows, I guess. I don't know. It's at back. I just can't see straight out of Tickfall, personally. But other people have taken, you know, that, you know, have Superman straight out of Krypton and some other people and then, you know, modifying it for whatever, you know, either funniness, funny things that they want. But this one is a picture of a guy holding up a sign, Black Lives Matter, and says straight out of patience. And I just think that you know, considering that this is the one-year anniversary of Mike Brown getting shot, and and it's crazy because I mean I feel like you know this it just happened, and I wasn't even there. And honestly, one of the first things when after it happened is I wanted to go there, I wanted to be there, but I really couldn't, um, you know, with my family obligations and stuff. And but you know, I figured I would cover certain things that I could talk about on the show, and and you know what. If just speaking out about it, you know, is doing my part, then so be it. But, you know, I, it, it's just weird, it's surreal that, that it's not, that it's been a year and things haven't gotten better in Ferguson. And more black lives keep just getting extinguished. And I, I can't understand why there's such feet dragging on society on this it, it's you know why why should it take you know two interruptions for example to get bernie sanders to put something on his campaign page dealing with uh, the black lives matter movement dealing with everything pertaining to it uh you'd think he'd do it automatically that it would be part of his campaign I think somebody involved in his campaign would tell him to do that. But it took two. Finally, he put something on his webpage, and it's good. You should go read it. And everybody should have something like that on their webpage. And maybe, um, you know, I have a blog post that I've written about the Black Lives Matter movement and Bernie Sanders, and I don't, you know, I think I've been tweeting it a lot. You know, you can go to liberaldan.com and see it. It's, there, there are a lot of people who are, you know, who are frustrated about, you know, Bernie Sanders getting interrupted uh, by people in a movement when they think that, you know, perhaps Bernie Sanders is the best candidate based off of his past. But if you don't acknowledge what you're going to do in the future when it comes to helping society treat Black lives as if they mattered, uh, that you. You, you you can't be surprised when people are upset, and if you know if 
disruption matters to you more than black lives, then you really need to check check yourself and see maybe perhaps your priorities are a little skewed. That, you know, if I'm out there and I'm giving a speech and I get interrupted, I might my initial gut reaction might be to be, I'm aggravated. But you got to listen. You got to understand why people are so frustrated at society, at politicians, and why it's come to a point where they're not just going to take, you know, just say, okay, well, these are the these these guys are going to be better than the than the Republicans. So let's just go with them. No, they want to know what's going to happen. They want to know how their lives are going to be protected. I don't have to worry about walking down the street and getting stopped because of my skin color. Now, when something, now I've said before, when something happens to individuals, uh, to minorities, when, you know, we, you know, people, people who are white need to internalize it. They need to think to themselves, you know, it's not just, you know, stop saying, well, that's just happening to them and start saying this is happening to us. This is happening to Americans. There are Americans that this is happening to. We need to fix that. They sh- white people should be just as angry as black people uh, for for when this happens. And you need you need to sit. You need to listen. And I don't, I'm not saying you have to shut up and listen, but you need to listen. You need to you need to understand where people are coming from, why they're so angry. And when you do that, you might consider yourself. You know what? Maybe I should have. You know, discuss this more on my political webpage. Maybe I should have uh, made this more of a priority. Maybe I shouldn't have, um, like what Bernie Sanders did, for example, is say, you know, well, I've done all of this stuff in the past, but if you don't want me here, I'll leave. It's not that they don't want you here. It's that they think that you're probably the most likely person to be an advocate for what they're calling for, Um and they want you to listen and they want you to be a voice with them. And people will say, well, why aren't they targeting the Republicans? The Republicans are the, are the main problem here. Well, yeah, but the best answer that I've heard about this was, was from a, in a, I was on a tweet, and that would have been Tweet of the Week had I found it, um, which was, um, that you knock on the doors that you think might open to you. You're not going to knock on doors that you know are welded shut to you. So why would they bother? Why are they going to go to a Donald Trump rally? Why are they going to go to a Ted Cruz rally? Why are they going to go to a Scott Walker rally? They're not going to go to any of these rallies. They're not going to go interrupting them. Because all they're going to do is they're going to get booed. They're going to get booed. And they're not going to get listened to, and the people aren't going it, to. It's not worth their time. Why should they bother if it's not worth? If it's if it's not going to be listened listened to, why should they bother paying them any attention? Yeah, the party that's going to be the advocates advocates for Black Lives and for improving lives of minorities of black people in this country is the Democratic Party. It's the only major party of the two parties that are out there, uh, two major parties out there that is going to actually 
you know, give a damn. Because the only one that comes that that comes anywhere near, I'm not going to say comes close, but comes anywhere approaching, you know, listening, maybe Rand Paul. But even then, he has issues because you know he doesn't like the Fourteenth Amendment, which you know gives states gives the federal government the authority to step in uh, when states are discriminating. He doesn't like that. So yeah, I'm not saying he's good, this sort of thing, but I'm saying that he is he is somebody who is the least bad of the field, maybe. Maybe Kasich, I haven't heard Kasich on these issues, so I don't know, but he's just starting to get out there in the polls, so, yeah, but I don't trust any of them, that any of them are going to be able to be outreached to, and compelled to do something, and make part of their campaign platform uh, reform that deals with uh, disproportionate treatment of persons of color, by law enforcement as compared to uh, white people. Um, A, for two reasons. A, because the voters who are going to vote for them will not like that because the voters are the people who will be like, all lives matter, even though most of the all lives matters crowd was silent when a police officer attacked and killed a white kid, a white teen, and the All Lives Matter people weren't raising an uproar then. The Black Lives Matter people were, were, were pointing out that the problem with policing in general. So, not to say that there are, bad, there, there are no good cops. I know good cops. But there's just the system there is, is one that disproportionately maltreats black citizens, persons of color. Hispanic citizens, persons who are not white, and I can walk down the street and not be not be pulled over because of how I look. Black person will walk down the street and get pulled over because of how he looks. That's as simple as that. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Um, afterwards, we'll be taking your calls, talking about the war on women. Uh, area code three four seven eight three eight eight three six eight. That's area code three four seven eight three eight eight three six eight. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. 
Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with your girls, Monica RW, and Autumn F. I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. ROJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. And later on, earlier in the show, we're discussing uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the Tweet of the Week, the first anniversary of Mike Brown, um, and how, you know, it's interesting, you know, uh, I have a promo that I'm added that I've added to the mid mid middle news block um, that includes uh, discussion of rising tide at an event down here in New Orleans, and um, one of the people speaking is Dear McKesson, and um, as he's part of you know of course you know it's made popular uh, well known over the Black Lives Matter movement and um so it's you know so it's just it's just you know awesome that he's able to uh, come down here and you know speak and and if I have the opportunity to I, I definitely want to go definitely want to um you know to take a step away from my table cuz I'm going to be having a table at Rising Tide this year um and I definitely want to be able to uh um, listen to him speak because that 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 should be awesome, and I'm hoping uh, to be able to do a uh, if the internet is up and running and and if if everything seems to be kosher, I'm hoping to be able to uh, do a live broadcast from Rising Tide as well. Um, next week we're also going to have um, one of the other the other person mentioned in the uh, ad for Rising Tide. Uh, Gary Rivkin, um, he wrote a book, and I'll be just, we will be discussing that book on the show next week as well. Um, so it's you know lots of lots of rising tide stuff that's going to be coming up on the show leading up to uh, the 10th anniversary of or Rising Tide X. You know because of the 10th anniversary, it's probably it's the ninth anniversary of Rising Tide, but the 10th um, it's the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. So, um, that that's going to be a good, you know, couple of, I think this is probably the first time in the past three years of having Liberal Day and Radio that I have shows lined up, or, or I've had guests lined up for three weeks in advance. So, it's, it's maybe that's a good thing, good sign to come. If you want to see more of the awesomeness uh, that could potentially come from Liberal Dan Radio. I I encourage you to go and go to the GoFundMe page. Uh, links uh, on liberaldan.com or it's on the, each specific show page. Uh, give five bucks if you can. Just you know, treat it like a tip jar. Say hey, I like what I like what I'm hearing. Or you could potentially even buy uh, commercial advertising on the sh- for the show as well. I have some really good deals for first time advertisers. Um, 
that that it's going to be it's going to be good. Uh, if, if if you you know people you know like to get people to get in on the ground floor, I guess. So anyway, um, same person uh, who was listening briefly to the show last week just popped out again. I guess you know I showered again. Um, anyway, so the war on women. Uh, let's let's discuss that for a little bit until uh, at least for the next. Well, I mean, I, I'm t- the conversation with Candace is also going to be about the you know the war on women and and you know maltreatment of women uh, in certain industries. Um, and but you know we had the GOP debate, uh, the first one, lots of people watched, um, and nobody should have been surprised at Donald Trump. Donald Trump was being interviewed by a female reporter uh, on MSNBC, and he was just downright degrading and insulting to her, and it was just horrible to watch. Just gave me just the oogies. That's the best word I guess to say. It just it, you, you couldn't feel clean listening to Trump um, and his just ridiculousness. Um, it just wasn't. It's just not good. I'm telling you, it's just not. Uh, it's just horrible. But then he, you know, he was insulting to her. He was insulting the women in his comments, and he was insulting afterwards about blood coming out of wherever. Um, just he doesn't give the uh, this should be the presidential material. Now, you know, maybe some people would argue that the. We've had presidential-type people before and see where that's gotten us. Well, perhaps, you know, I would say that about politicians in general, and we just started electing people who are going to be beholden to the voters who elected them and not the corporate interests or whatever that control them. But that's that's a long way out, and that's going to come uh, when voters start taking an active role in educating themselves about all candidates and not just the, quote, ones that are well-funded. I mean, I've, I've talked about this before. I can talk about it again later if you want. But um, the uh, you know Hillary Clinton made an excellent point, which is or which was that you know you can talk about the Trump lines, but his just being an ass is him being an ass. His you know no one should be surprised about that, and 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 that's not necessarily policy that's going to be reflected. In a Trump administration, um, you have other candidates who stood up there, Scott Walker, who firmly stated that he is against abortion 100%. Now, these people firmly state they're against abortion 100%, no exceptions. No exceptions for rape, no exceptions for incest. Some of them up there probably wouldn't even get an exception if the woman is dying. And I've discussed this before. I discussed that part last week. That you know the differences between the religions and why religion shouldn't be used and et cetera, but it's also an issue of who do you want as president? who do you want appointing supreme court justices that that's ultimately when it comes what it comes down to is who do you want saying that this is going to be the person who, for the next some odd years beyond my term? is going to decide court cases that determine whether or not your constitutional 
right to body autonomy is going to be upheld or not. Do you trust the Republicans going to appoint a judge to do that? I don't trust a judge appointed by Scott Walker. I don't trust a judge appointed by Marco Rubio. I wouldn't trust a judge appointed by um, Ted Cruz. All of those people would likely not, you know, would likely put somebody who is up there who is not going to respect women's body autonomy at all, let alone a little. Of course, as soon as you make an exception for body autonomy, you fail to achieve it, just like equality. As soon as you make exceptions for equality, you are doomed to fail to achieve it. So, you know, and, and as I discussed during the headlines, you know, you have this group, the Center for Media for Medical Progress, supposedly. Um, they are just continuing their attacks on, on on women and on, you know, there was an interesting fact that I found. Um, I think it was last Thursday. And it was a discussion of, you know, Jeb Bush is out there, you know, saying, hey, we don't need billions of dollars for health care for half a billion dollars of health care for women. Huh? And in my state, or his state, we, or they, um, eliminated funding to Planned Parenthood. And he's tri- 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 saying that's a triumph, that they eliminated funding to Planned Parenthood, Ignor- and ignoring the fact that abortion is legal, and there's no reason why funding should be restricted from it, because abortion is legal. And all the other services that they provide are also legal. But his state cuts funding to Planned Parenthood under the idea that maybe they're going to reduce abortions, or at least that's probably how they sold it. Florida is the second highest state per capita when it comes to abortions in the nation. Obviously, they failed at what they're at, at, at least there's probable, probable stated attempts. They probably sold it as pro-life eliminating abortion. Well, they haven't done it at all. They're second in the nation when it, per capita when it comes to a total number, when it comes to abortions that take place. You know, Colorado gives out free birth control and their teen pregnancy rates are plummeting. Their abortion rates are plummeting. Why? Because they're treating it in the effective way. Which makes me question whether or not they actually want to have a solve this problem. Is this really about abortion? Do they want the abortion problem solved? A- a- am I too cynical to suggest that they don't want abortion to be actually li- criminalized? That they want the issue of abortion to be out there? They want there to be plenty of abortions taking place because as long as they're taking place, then they have something to rail against? And maybe they know that if liberals got their way and got quality sex education class in the classroom, in high school, teaching people all of the facts, trusting them that people armed with the facts will make the right decision, trusting that, and also providing uh, different forms of contraceptive methods to prevent pregnancy, and if you enacted all that in all 50 states and all of a sudden pregnancy rates started dropping, they would they would lose. They would lose. Because you would, they, would be, they would be exposed for the frauds that they are and they would be exposed for just wanting to keep women down 
and keep women from getting these candidates because if they only, that's the only way they can win their elections is by making sure that they have something to fight against so that all of the religious zealots will go, right, I'm going with them, instead of them saying, well, wait a second, uh, these liberals are enacting these things over here and they're actually reducing abortions, so how about we go with them and if they're being more effective? But that's not what they want. They need the issue to, to Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and take the middle commercial break. Uh, I'll be back on the line in a second with uh, Candice from Tubby and Coos Mid-City Bookshop, taking your calls as well, 347-838-8368. There could 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Day Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Listening to Win Workers Independent News, a production of Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Chicago Teachers Union President Karen Lewis says Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner's assertions that the teachers union is so powerful it dictates terms and his threats to remove pensions from collective bargaining is crazy talk. That is crazy. That's just crazy talk. It, it has no meaning. If we're so empowered, then why are our members getting laid off? If we're so powerful, then why aren't we in charge of how you put stuff together? Why are we still struggling and suffering under an appointed school board when every other district in this state has an elected school board? Lewis's comments came on Chicago Public TV. She says if Chicago schools try to impose a 7% pay cut by forcing teachers to pay 7% more into their pensions, it would be strike-worthy. She says the real problem is revenue. With the district facing a nearly $500 million budget hole, even if teachers pay the extra 7% into pensions, the real financial problem, she says, still won't be solved. We need to look at the revenue piece because that's what's wrong here. You can't make up $500 million with the teachers union having people pay into the pension fund at 7% instead of 2 Lewis says school will start on time September 8th in Chicago. If there's a strike, it's not likely to happen before the first of the year. Four New Jersey unions are suing Governor Chris Christie to contest his imposition of a pay freeze on state workers. New Jersey Communications Workers of America, New Jersey Superior Officers Association, Fraternal Order of Police, Local 174, and the Law Enforcement Unit are all challenging Christie's suspension of automatic step pay increases for state workers. Past practice was to continue those increases even if no new labor contracts have been reached. The suit alleges that the governor's Office of Employee Relations has no authority to stop those step pay raises. The unions say only New Jersey's Civil Service Commission can legally make changes to state worker compensation. Republicans on the U.S. Senate's Finance Committee are trying to prohibit labor unions for IRS workers. The National Treasury Employees Union represents 85,000 workers, 46,000 of them at the IRS. The proposal to ban unions at the IRS tried to justify the action by saying that the nature of their work requires them to be completely apolitical. The Republican attack on the NTEU went on to say that a substantial number of IRS employees are members of the, quote, highly partisan and left-leaning National Treasury Employees Union, end quote. Democrats on the Senate Finance Committee defended federal worker unions, saying that union membership in and of itself does not mean 
same political bias. NTEU says no bipartisan report has ever found any evidence of political motivation on the part of IRS employees. Workers Independent News is brought to you with support from union-owned, union-represented Bank of Labor. Bank of Labor has provided trust and fiduciary services to labor organizations for nearly a century. Online at bankoflabor.com. You've been listening to WIN, Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. The 10th Annual Rising Tide will be held on August 29th at Xavier University in New Orleans. And if you haven't yet attended a Rising Tide conference, this is your year. Civil rights activist D. Ray McKesson of the Black Lives Matter movement will headline the event. McKesson has used social media to organize grassroots protests in the wake of Michael Brown's shooting in Ferguson. Over the past year, McKesson has become a recognizable and controversial figure. Fortune magazine recently rated him number 11 on the list of world's greatest leaders. Journalist and author Gary Rivlin will also be a featured speaker at the event. Rivlin's latest book is Katrina After the Flood, which was just released this month. Gambit hailed it as one of the definitive books covering the Katrina aftermath. Kirkus Reviews says it was deeply engrossing, well-written, and packed with revealing stories. You won't want to miss his presentation either. In addition to two great speakers, there will be a full program of multi-track content discussing political, environmental, and cultural topics. There will be something to interest everyone. Rising Tide is an all-volunteer event. The NOLA Blogger community after the flood created an event that has become the premier new media conference in the Gulf South. Rising Tide aims to be a real-life demonstration of Internet activism. Most importantly, it is freewheeling, uncensored, and a hell of a lot of fun. Plus, there's always a great lunch. Admission is free this year, so visit risingtidenola.com and register today. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also join us in the chat room and leave questions there. Uh, Connect via the Skype button via the chat room. Or, uh, if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always go leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. over on the show thread on liberaldan.com. Uh, earlier in the show, we're discussing a little bit of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, discussing a little bit of the presidential election and its, you know, perpetuation of the war on women. But now I'd like to uh, bring on uh, a friend of mine, uh, owner of uh, Tubby & Coo's Mid-City Bookshop uh, in here in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, her name is Candace Huber. Uh, Candace, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, my favorite bookstore in the city of New Orleans. So if anybody awesome. is listening, I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> comes to the city, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, I've talked about the uh, um, writing class that I that I took part in earlier in the year. I've discussed that before, um, and so it, you know had my opportunities to walk the show. Lots, you know, it's definitely a great place to go, and it's definitely not just about books. It's about just you know all about you know culture, everything else uh, that, uh, you know, a uh, good, smart, nerdy, geek person might want to enjoy, uh, just like myself. So, um, which is probably one of the reasons that you went to Gen Con this year, because you, you, you like such things as well. Of course, um, and, and board games is something that we sell as well. 
Um, so we went to Gen Con really just to meet people, demo new games, and uh, and get the whole experience. I had never been before, so it's the first time that uh, I'd actually been to Gen Con. It was it was actually really great overall. The experience was awesome. I'm I'm highly jealous. I, I I'm wanting to <laughs> at some point. I'm thinking with with my new job when more vacation when I when I generate more vacation time will probably be the first time I'll be able to go. Uh, I'm very much wanting to go at some point. Uh, um, I, I think I probably want to go multiple times because I don't think there's enough time for me to do everything I would want to do uh, there. So um, yeah. and then there was this. Uh, um, I guess let me bring on uh, Shireen as well. Uh, if if you okay. go to Tubby and Koo's website, um, there's there's a post. You know about are pertaining to the happenings at the event. So, um, Shireen, uh, hi. You can say hi to everybody. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you could join us. Well, you're, you're an integral part of, of this of this story as well. Um, and so I wanted first, you know, to, you know, basically the, the panel's topic that, that, we're, that we're discussing and that caused everything that's going on is uh, writing women-friendly comics. And, you know, if I look at that, um, you know, I'm thinking that it's going to be, um, I think, as, as you described it, Candice, kind of a, a safe space, kind of a place that you're, you're, you can go yeah. to and not expect uh, to hear a bunch of, as I would refer to it, probably misogynistic drivel uh, <laughs> pertaining <laughs> to women involved in, you know, being involved any part of, of the culture of, you know, comics and every, anything like that. And, um, I mean, I, the idea that, that something has to be for men and has to be for women is just bizarre to me. I mean, I've, you know, when I have my kids, I try to instill to them. I don't, I don't try and veer them away from particular toys or reading things or shows, uh, because they look like, Oh, maybe I might be afraid that they might be geared towards girls or boys. It's, you know, one of my, one of my, kids' favorite shows is Doc McStuffins. It's a girl main character. She's, it's an awesome show, and, and he loves it, and he has a little Lammy doll, and he has other things, too, from the show, and my other kid also loves the show, and, and you know, it, it concerns me personally that, that people still trying to hold these archaic views of what is a boy's toy and a girl's toy, or what's a boy's comic, I guess, or a girl's comic, but, you know, here's this uh, women, writing women-friendly comics, um, a panel. Yeah, and, and, and um, what was the and first problem? Just to let you know, the reason why we went to the panel, well, one of the reasons why I went to the panel to begin with was because it was called Writing, quote, Women Friendly Comics. And I was interested as to what that in particular meant to the people sure. on the panel. Um, you know, like what makes a comic woman woman friendly. Um, and so that was one of the reasons why I went. And there was a lot of internet buzz about the panel even before Gen Con um, because of the description that went up. Um, what I actually linked to that on the blog post as well because the description that went up um, talked about basically writing women-friendly women comics, but how, do, how should men do it? It was really weird. Um, and there was this big hubbub about it because uh, they had no women on the panel about writing women-friendly comics. So uh so there was a lot of internet buzz about it and uh and that's how so Bill Willingham who writes Fables, which is actually a really big popular comic series, he was the moderator for the panel, he's the one that had put the panel together. And uh the Mary Sue uh blog is the one that had had, had 
kind of put it out there that there were no women on the panel. And Gen Con actually responded pretty much immediately and said, you know, that they were going to help with this. And then there ended up being two women on the panel, which we all thought was a, a very positive thing. Um, but the Willingham did not think that that was a positive thing. And, and right away, the he, he kind of read this disclaimer that um, that it was not supposed to be about women in comics um, and how he was kind of forced into it by uh, a, I forget exactly what it was, but it was like a site of like non-journalistic integrity or something like that. And, um, and basically how it's turning into something that he didn't really want it to be and just set the tone for the entire thing. And, and I actually went into this knowing none of that. So I walked into this <laughs> panel kind of hoping for a space because I actually have seven younger siblings and six of them are girls. And so as an elder sister, especially with siblings interested in art and writing comics, I was like, this will be really cool. And I'll get to learn more about women in comics and like have this perspective and have this discussion, one that I often like to engage in, about how we encourage women comic writers and diverse people of diverse backgrounds in comic writing. And so I was shocked from the very get-go, <laughs> um, which is not a fun experience. I, I would guess not. And what's even funny is it's the Mary Sue is the one that um, saying that you know this isn't a, a website of journalistic integrity. And when I searched the Mary Sue for uh, Bill Willingham, expecting the first hits uh, to be this, what had went on. Um, it was actually an article that they did where they interviewed him for his fame. Yeah, so yeah, like, they did. So if, if this is so supposedly, you know, why why would he be, you know, I guess biting the hand that feeds him if he right. if he's getting if if they're covering him and they're covering his work, then obviously you know they 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 think he's or at least they thought he was worthy of being covered for his work and not necessarily for. Um, and, and he could have just let it be a whole Gen Con thing. He could have just probably written it off and said, oh, okay, I welcome these people on here. We couldn't, we were having problems finding people. They did great, wonderful. And that probably would have right. been the end of it, or at least until the salt, until he started opening his mouth. But I right. guess that's not his style from, from what I've heard. Um, I think my biggest, one of my biggest issues from with Willingham in general is this um, kind of embracing of his agitating people and quickly dismissing anybody with any idea that's not the same as his as not worthy of speaking. And right. what I struggle the most with in that context is he's a man with a lot of status and power. And when we were at this panel, it was quite obvious because no one felt comfortable even speaking up, including other panelists, until near the end of the panel. And right. so it's frustrating to me that a person with this much status can say whatever he wants and he's not d dismissed right away. Right. Because and I that was something that, yeah. that I, I wrote about in the blog post as well, um, is that it was kind of a microcosm for the world. You know, it was like this man, it's one man. He's sitting up there. He's like spewing all this stuff. And, and I mean, I can't speak for everyone in that room, but I would venture to say that probably the vast majority of people in the room disagreed with, with everything that he was saying. But, but, you know, and it's like at any moment, the, everyone in the room could have walked out, everyone in the room could have stood up and yelled at him or whatever. And, and everyone just kind of felt so suppressed and I think maybe shocked and like no one really knew how to handle the situation. And so he just kept going and, 
And and it was really deflating just to see that. Yeah, and and it's it's just, um, and 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 some of the, and, and I guess I guess we should go I guess briefly as to you know and one of the one of the things that I guess you know Candace decided to do was uh, to remove because uh, because you had held you had fables in your store previously correct. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not just a simple matter of you know, you know, you know, because obviously, you know, the first thing I thought when people were trying to make the claims of quote censorship uh, was uh, a bookstore can't hold all the books in the world. You know, right. <laughs> you, you 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 have to pick and choose what you carry, and depending on your size, you know, smaller bookstores are not going to be like the you know the Barnes and Nobles. So you know, smaller bookstores may have more niche things and and catering to certain groups of people and um even then you can't still can't carry everything that you might want to carry and so you know you you were we're, we're carrying it and then you chose not to carry it and you got backlash from that yes i got a lot of backlash from it <laughs> um and 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 I want Shireen to talk about, too, before I talk about that, if you don't mind, I want Shireen to talk about her experience, I guess, because she had her hand up the entire panel. Um, right. and And Bill Willingham, like, purposely ignored. Like, it was super obvious because other panelists even called out that Shireen had her hand up, and he, he just kept ignoring her. And I want her to talk about that first, if you don't mind. Sure. Oh, I was going to do that next. Yeah, was, yeah that's fine. Oh, anyway. okay. It's, it's, <laughs> y'all, it's your story. Y'all can tell it however you want. It, it's just my job to kind of moderate and be a better moderator than him. Yeah, uh, I, so. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think it wouldn't be hard to be a better moderator than him. <laughs> yeah, right, I think I'm putting the bar rather low for myself there. <laughs> from what I'm hearing. Um, but, yeah, okay, I would love so. to share kind of, yeah, a piece. I mean, one of the most frustrating things for me in that panel was, again, I went in there unsuspecting. I didn't know a lot about what was going on with the Mary Sue. So um, when I first walked in and he started talking, I was kind of like, wait, wait what? <laughs> um, and kind of raised my hand just to kind of ask the question and, and maybe bring it back to talking about women in comics instead of uh, some really weird topics that he was putting forward. Um, and he would ignore me. And I don't know if it was because I don't look white, I look ethnic, and I don't know if it was because I look maybe agitated. My hand was a Hermione Granger hand, just completely straight up uh, and very ready to be talking. Um, But multiple panelists continued to be like, there's this girl, she's had her hand up for 30 minutes, um, and he would continuously pick other people. And I think, you know, other people had really good things to say, but they um, were all white, um, and all of them... um, maybe calmer than I, I don't, I don't really know, but I felt very much ignored. And there was at one point where he asked a girl, he he interrupted her twice. And then he said, do you mind if I interrupt you? And she was just like, I guess. Okay. But it wasn't until the end where someone was just like, I had at that point walked out because I wasn't going to be listened to. And really there was no point in me sitting there and just getting angrier. It was easier for me to walk out and maybe digest it and process kind of what happened and think about it in a more constructive way. um, Because, right before I walked out, he picked someone in front of me who had only just raised her hand um, and just completely glossed over me. And it felt 
like I was purposely being ignored. I can't speak for what was going on in his head. Um, but I also don't want to make apologies for him because sure. I felt like it was rude, no matter who I was, for you to ignore someone whose hand has been up the entire time. You don't know me. You don't know what I'm going to say. And I feel like I'm a pretty good audience member um, and could have helped with the conversation a little bit. And, and it might have been different. You know, I mean, it sounds like, you know, that there were other people involving themselves in the conversation. And I mean, a lot of times I've been to some panels at some cons and where it's like all the questions were done at the end. It didn't sound like that was the way this was happening. It sounded like no, not at all. people could raise their no. hands and ask questions and they would take yeah. throughout the entire thing. And, and, you know, I guess part of it maybe, you know, part of it could be the fault of, of, of Gen Con for not setting up it to where you just have, you know, if you want to ask a question, line up at the microphone. I mean, that's the way I would do it, but hindsight mm-hmm. being 2020. But even then, with, without that, it still doesn't excuse just obviously passing over somebody who's obviously had their hand up. And um, Well, no, you know, I mean, it was, it was not only that I was being ignored, and I, I mean, my personal experience is that I was ignored, but when the panel just started, there were no microphones in front of, the two women panelists. Right. The first 15, 20 minutes of this panel, no woman spoke other than to introduce herself. And, I mean, the men who did spoke had really good things to say, but at no point did someone turn the mic and say, well, that's a good question about how do you, like, bring women into comic writing. Let me pass the microphone on to someone who has a personal experience with this. And even when those women would speak, including women in the audience, they were summarily dismissed or interrupted. So... I think it was even a bigger problem than just how do you set up the room? Because I think it could have very much been a good open discussion with or without a line for the mic. Um, right. But it wasn't just the attendants. It was also the panelists that were treated like that. Yeah. Do we know how, like, he was chosen as, a, as the, I guess, the moderator? Or is it, is it... Okay, so, uh, so the way that Gen Con uh, does their thing is that Anyone, no matter who you are, can submit a panel idea. Um, there are thousands, like thousands of events going on. Um, and so any person can just submit, hey, I'm going to do a panel about this. And, and I don't know what their selection process is, but it seems like it's not, like it's pretty open, right? There are thousands of things going on. So mm. I think um, anybody can just submit an event. So I think that's what happened. I think Bill, I, and, and I think he, he, he as a moderator is the one that put it together and submitted it to Gen Con. And I, I assume that because of who he is as well, they were like, great, we can have this person do this comic, I mean, do this panel. And, you know, and he has been to a certain extent uh, lauded, I guess, for his female characters and fables. Um, and so, you know, when, when someone like that presents like, Hey, like, let's do a panel about women in, in comics or how to write comics that, uh, appeal to women, he seems like a, a good choice to do that if you don't know any better. And <laughs> I think that's what kind of what happened is that, you know, he, he submitted this as part of just the Gen Con, anybody can submit a, a panel process. Um, and because so, of who he was, also- they were like, great. I will also add on to that really quickly, though, is, as well, he did personally say that he's been lauded for his female characters. There's been a lot of talk about um, him dismissing characters or trying to, quote, unquote, fix characters in fables that were gay. Um, yeah. And using his uh, uh, fables as a way to talk about um, the Israeli lobby and things like that in his books. And he's been open about doing uh-huh. those things, too. So yeah. I, I do think there is maybe a screening process that could have gone through. Um, I don't know if that should mean he should have, shouldn't have talked. That's not what I'm saying. But just 
having someone come in to talk about women in comics, maybe we should have thought more deeply about who was moderating that. So he's right. so he's and, a conservative guy. Wait, he's a conservative guy, and he's also opposed to the Israeli lobby. No, he's yeah. not opposed to it. He was like defending it. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, and, and he that. actually has talked about labels being like a metaphor for um, for Israel and things like that as well, and in and, and positive. Um, support for that i mean i'm not necessarily anti-israel i mean you know right you know i'm I'm just you know uh it it was it would it would have been weird to me like like i think there's plenty of blame to go all around on on that side of the planet (laughs) lots of wrong lots of people (laughs) doing bad things over there but let's not derail this by talking about israel but i did you know i kind of i did some research on willingham and you know i found something way back like at some con at in 2010 like um, he was, there was some character, some female that died and, uh, um, talking about, you know, uh, I, I don't, I forget it. I can't really see exactly which comic it was, but the character, you know, some people were, you know, girls were, um, just wanted to do something about a memorial or something in the, in the comic or something like that. And his quote was like, I wanted to gun down those girls who kept asking about the memorial case or something. And I'm like, Really, you wanted to gun down the girls? Right. That, that, that doesn't necessarily yeah. doesn't necessarily but sound if like we can find it. Then Gen Con can find it. That's yeah, really and, and, and I mean, you know, there's another. But and and, and again, I don't know Gen Con's process. I don't know if they even sure. have one. It could right, just be right. that anybody can submit anything and then do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that they even have a process. But um, but anyway, yeah. So I I don't think that it was like necessarily screen I, I i with that many events i can't imagine that they can screen right. everything um sure. but regardless again that's a, a little bit derailing but um but yeah i had decided uh well shereen and i after the panel we kind of sat there and talked because shereen had walked out as she said and then when the panel was over um you know we kind of talked about it and said you know like is there something that we can do um you know to respond to this because you know, I we just kind of, we felt very, I guess, deflated and and devalued after that panel, um, and so we were just kind of sitting there talking about what we can do. Um, and I was like, well, I mean, I I own a bookstore, I have a blog, we can write about it and just try and get it out there. And Shereen was like, great, let's definitely do that. Um, <laughs> and so we wrote this this blog post, and and actually after we had gotten back from Gen Con. I had seen a couple of places like the Mary Sue and there was a couple of other places that wrote about the panel, but as a third party, um, the people weren't actually at the panel. They were just kind of reporting on what they saw on Twitter and um, through emails and things like that. And so I thought that that it was very important to get a, a message out from people who are actually there and just to talk about our personal experience at this panel and how it made us feel. Uh, So we wrote this blog post. I, I put it up. I posted it everywhere, um, and, you know, I expected to get trolled at least a little bit because that's what happens when you do anything on the Internet, um, and I I followed Gamergate, so it's like I kind of, I, I expected certain things to happen, um, but I, I guess it was, uh, it's been mostly positive uh, response for the most part, um, but yesterday was, was pretty bad with the trolling. Um, and I was getting it everywhere. It was Facebook. It was comments on blogs. It was other places. Rich Johnston um, decided to pick it up for the bleeding cool, um, mm-hmm. and so he 
uh, posted uh, an article on the bleeding uh, bleeding cool about it. And when you first read it, it, it seems like oh, like this is actually pretty cool. This isn't that bad. And then he stuck a, a final paragraph in there um, about how um, me taking the book off the shelf is censorship. And, um, and, you know, what does that mean if, if I can start censoring things and, and all this kind of stuff? So the, the biggest, I guess, pushback that I've been getting, it comes surrounding censorship and freedom of speech and banning books, uh, which is, I feel like people it's don't ridiculous. understand what those words mean. No. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've and, often... you know, it's like I, I can't ban a book. And, and, you know, my response to that, and I, I haven't responded to any of the trolls, and I'm not going to on the internet, but uh, mm-hmm. but my response to most most of that in my head is that you know I I am one person, I am one little bookstore. Um, I have to curate my selection however I feel necessary. And like you said earlier, I can't carry every book. I'm not obligated to carry every book. I'm not the public library, um, and I'm not even Barnes and Noble. Um, I'm right. super tiny, and I only have so much shelf space. And that being said, I can choose to curate my collection however I want. Um, the other the other thing with that is that I feel like when people bring in what was frustrating me, I think, the most about the trolling was people bringing all this freedom of speech and censorship and all these things up. And never once in my blog post or in any of my social media posts did I say, don't go buy fables. I never said, you know, don't support this guy, don't go buy fables, you know, I'm not calling anyone to action. All I did was say, this is an experience that I had with my friend at this panel. Here's our perspective on it, and and I'm choosing not to sell this, and this is why. Right. You can still get it in anywhere. In a number of different places, you can still go and buy it. And I think if somebody came into the store and asked for it, I would explain to them why I don't have it, and then I would tell them, you know, but if you want it so, you can go to the XYZ place and get it. So, um, you know, so I'm not calling anyone to action. I'm not saying don't read it. The purpose of that was to, I guess, spread knowledge and, and spread perspective and and create a voice where we weren't allowed to have one. Um, and that was really the point of it. Um, it wasn't to censor. It, was, it has nothing to do with freedom of speech by any means. And, you know, my response to most of that is there's a difference between freedom of speech and the consequences of freedom of speech. I feel like Willingham had his freedom of speech at the panel more than he probably should have. And so, you know, we have now had hours and writing the blog post and, and our response to that. So, um, you know, I really don't think it has anything to do with that or censorship or banning or any of that. I mean, I'm not going around to different places and pulling fables off the shelves and burning it. You know, it's like I'm, right. not, I'm, not, I'm not calling for a mob. I'm just saying, here's an experience that I had. And, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of people didn't know that Bill Willingham was like this. And, and so I was just trying to educate people and, and spark discussion about diversity and about women in comics and, you know, sparked a discussion that we kind of wish we would have had at this panel. Um, and I think thus far I've, I've been, you know, successful in getting some trolls, but I think I've also been successful in sparking some of that discussion um, across the Internet as well. So, you know, you got to take the, the bad with the good, I guess. Right. right. And, and, and I mean, another piece that I would say, sorry, if you don't mind my adding on real quick, there's, um, one of the things I appreciated, I went to another panel the next day on diversity issues, and it was incredible. 
Um, and I think having this discussion about Bill Willingham and um, his kind of uh, aggressiveness and, and misogyny is that we can now talk about why that's not okay. So next time it happens, people feel free to speak up about it. Um, and at the other panel I went to about diversity issues, that was really positive. But a lot of the panelists, especially um, one young lady who was talking about being blind and how that's influenced um, her work uh, and how people have treated her in that capacity. And she's like, it's sometimes those really negative experiences and what comes out of that, that the discussion and the action I take afterwards that causes those things not to happen again because now people are aware. Um, so one of the things I most admire about Candace's decision and kind of putting out this blog post is now people know if you go to another panel with Bill Willingham, these things are very possible and can happen or maybe anybody else who acts similarly um, that we can speak out about it and still have that power to do so. Right. And, and, and yeah, that's, I, that's I very think important. my... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think my favorite uh, insult, I guess, if you want to call it that, that came out of this is that I'm intolerant of intolerance. Um, and and I was like, actually, yes, thank you. That is true. I am intolerant of intolerance. I don't think you know what that means. Um, yes. But yes, like, yes, I am. And, you know, and my bookstore is all about inclusiveness and, you know, being supportive of people who are different and diversity. And, you know, I do this all the time in the books that I recommend. You know, I try not to recommend all books by white men all the time. I try and introduce people to new things. And, you know, I try to carry diverse books for kids and so that they can see, you know, books with people like them in it. You know, it's like I, I, I promote this all the time. Um, and so I just, you know, I think one of the, one of the legitimate questions that I've got throughout this whole thing is, you know, okay, well, so what do you plan to do with other authors who are kind of known to be this way? Do you plan to pull all of them off of your shelves? People like Orson Scott Card. I mean, there are other people um, that are kind of known to be this way. Um, and I think that's a legitimate question, and that's something that I have to think about as well. This, was, this is a response to a very personal experience that I had. Um, and it has caused me to think about these things, too, and think about how I want to curate my collection. And, yes, do I want to, you know, now I'm questioning, too, do I want to have people like Orson Scott Carter on my shelves? And um, so I am still a very new store. I'm not even a year old yet, and so I'm still kind of learning and, and trying to figure that out as well. But I do know um, that I would rather have diversity on my shelves. I would rather make room for people like Octavia Butler and, you know, for graphic novels like Persepolis and Miss Marvel and, you know, people like Ursula Le Guin and, you know, all of these other great, diverse, strong, you know, writers, women or men, um, you know, I'd rather make room on my shelves for them and be able to introduce people to something new because I feel like that's why people shop at an independent bookstore. If you know what you want um, and you go to Amazon or you go to Barnes & Noble, um, you go to somewhere where you can just get it for cheap. Uh, the reason why people come to my shop is to talk about these things and to get recommendations from me on stuff that they should read. Um, and so I feel like those are the books that I want to carry or the books that I want to recommend. And, you know, Bill Willingham is not an author that I would recommend now <laughs> um, to people. So uh, I'm I'm definitely still kind of thinking about that. I, I obviously can't know the viewpoints and backgrounds of every single author of every single book that I carry either, um, you know, but it is it is something that I am going to continue to think about as I continuously curate the selection of stuff that I have to sell. 
Right. And, and you know, on the censorship issue, too, it's like the idea that, you know, what you're doing is censorship not only is just wrong, I mean, because it, only government can censor something, uh, but but it, the, to claim that what you're doing is, is censorship it would, would be to say that, you know, to not be a censor would require you to carry the person's writings and that would be a violation of, of your first amendment rights because you right. you you don't have you know just because somebody has the you know willingness to to say something and wants to put something out there to be said it doesn't mean that anybody else has to be a vehicle uh for that speech like myself i don't have to allow anybody on the podcast that i don't want to allow to i don't have you know i'm not censoring somebody because i'm not allowing them to call us to the show if, if such a person would exist i'm just saying i don't have to i don't have to give you a vehicle to to discuss your views you can find your own vehicle to discuss your views so and right in reality when you when you have a bookstore i mean a lot, especially an independent bookstore like yours you know it, it's kind of what you put out there as being available for sale is kind of your speech. It is kind of your, you know, these are the books that I think are good. This is I'm, I'm making a statement about these books, and hopefully enough people like those, agree with you, and buy those books, and as such, your store becomes successful, and and and, and you know that should be a, a pretty decent business model, I would think. You know that you know enough people. Yeah, that's enough, a, that's exactly right, and um and the people that you know, and what's been great is that I've actually had quite a few people come into the store since that blog post and say, hey, I, I read your blog post and I'm interested in what you have to say. They came specifically to talk to me about it, which I thought was fantastic. And, you know, what I, what I tell people is that, you know, I feel that my bookstore is an extension of me. You know, what I, what I sell, what I promote, the things that I like. Um, you know, everyone who has been in there before and anyone who knows me and who knows my bookstore knows that the things in my bookstore are the things that I like personally. These are, these are things that I love. And have I read every single book in there? Obviously not. But, you know, I love sci-fi. I love fantasy. I love comics and graphic novels and board games and pop figures and whatever I have in there. Like, these are all extensions of my personal fandoms and the things that I like. And, you know, I, I equate it to the same as if I was recommending a book to a friend. You know, like if Shireen came and was like, hey, I want to read a new comic, you know, what, what, what would you recommend to me? I would I personally would not recommend Fables. I would say, you know, go read Miss Marvel or Persepolis or Lumberjanes or a number of other things. Um, you know, and so I kind of feel the same way about this. This is this is what I am personally recommending to the world. Um and so, you know, I I wouldn't personally recommend this and I can choose not to sell it and that's not censorship and that's not banning a book and I'm not telling other people not to buy it or not to read it. I'm just saying you know, I and there's a number of things that I don't carry in the bookstore. That's not the only book that I don't have. I can't carry every book. I don't have a lot of books. This is just in this situation, I'm just telling you why I don't have this one. Um, you know, I don't tell people why I don't have every book that I don't have. But in this case, I thought it was important for people to know why I'm not carrying it. Right. Um, and I think one of the things, too, that I, like, com- commend Candace for a lot and personally am a huge fan of the bookstore is because we've had hundreds of years of one kind of author and artist being commended and touted in awards and things. We know about that controversy with the Hugo Awards. And as a huge fantasy reader and sci-fi reader, I only recently learned that I actively have to ask for authors from diverse backgrounds to get it. Um, it's not something that I can just walk again into a Barnes & Noble and kind of see on the shelf and like pick it up and, and, 
have to ask for it. Whether it's Octavia Butler or N.K. Jemison or these authors, I didn't even know about them until recently because I specifically was asking these questions or going online and Googling, like, fantasy black women who write um, or black women who write fantasy or, or that kind of thing just to get that. And it can be very frustrating. So it's awesome when I can walk into a bookstore and, um, you know, there's someone who's actively promoting diversity in the store. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, one of the things that impressed me when I took that writing course was, you know, was that, the, you know, the amount of women that were taking the course. It, it, it's, you know, and, and the opportunity, I had the opportunity to read, um, you know, writings from, you know, different people, you know, who I never would have gotten to read for because God knows, who knows if any of them will be published or not, you know, because God, who knows if I'll be published either. But, you know, being able to read, you know, what their what they wrote and, and what they um, you know, based off of what they've lived and, and, and their life stories and how they've, you know, how they've come to put, you know, certain ideas of stories onto, onto the page. It's, it's, you know, it, it definitely gave me a, a def, you know, good outlook on not only how to make my writing better and, but, you know, just to kind of kind of appreciate other people's, you know, writings better appreciate other people's stories and and you're not going to be a very well-rounded person if you're only reading stories from one type of person um and so and that's uh, definitely right and and i try you know i also try to put my money where my mouth is and and i don't believe in you know i see all the time so many people just complaining either in person or on facebook or wherever just complaining about the, their plight in the world and society and whatever, complaining about different things. And, you know, I believe in, in taking action. So, you know, it's like, yes, I don't like something that happened, so what can I do to try and educate or to try and, you know, respond to it or to give someone else a voice? And I feel like that's really important to do just as people in general. And then I, I have now a vehicle where I can do that and I can – help other people and I can try and create voices where voices are suppressed and I can try and do this and, and kind of, you know, just help other people. And, and I feel like that throughout this whole thing, and this is where I, I put on Facebook the other day, and I know you saw it, Dan, but, uh, you know, when I put this on Facebook, it was like, all I'm trying to do is to educate and entertain and if I can, with all of this, you know, all this getting trolled and, and all this feeling devalued and deflated and everything, if I can turn that into being able to empower one person to speak up because they're looking at this and going, you know, this person is speaking up and, and, you know, creating a voice when they didn't have one, and that's great. If I can empower one other person to do the same thing, I will take every insult that's flung at me. I will, you know, I'll do whatever I can to just empower that one person because I feel like that's really important because, I touch one person, that person maybe touches another person and it kind of keeps going. So I feel like that's my big purpose with the bookstore is, you know, I say all of these things all the time that I'm all inclusive and I like diversity and I'm, you know, I'm trying to help and support these different things. And so in everything that I do, I, I try and put my money where my mouth is and I try and walk the walk. And, you know, it's like I don't just say these things. I'm actually trying to do things to, you know, show and, and act and, you know, prove that this is really what I believe as a person and this is how this is what I want my business to reflect as well. Um, and so I just think that that's really important to do uh, for everyone, you know, not just me, but for everyone, you know, like try and speak up if you feel like you don't have a voice, you know, create one somewhere else and, 
you know, and then maybe hopefully someone will learn from that and, and look at that and say, hey, you know what, this person did it. Why can't I do it too? Yeah, and I think that part of that, Candace, requires you going outside your comfort zone and you've done such a good job doing that. And I would just, like, put forth the challenge to everybody to, like, think about doing what's not comfortable in order to promote those voices and your own voice. Yeah, yes, that's for sure. Thank you. <laughs> Getting insulted and trolled all day long is, is not fun. But uh, And I knew that it was going to happen. As soon as I did that, I was like, you know, I, and I actually – um, thought about not doing it. Um, you know, we had talked about doing the blog post and stuff. And then after it was written, you know, I hesitated before I clicked the button to post it because I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what is this going to do? I'm going to alienate people. You know, I'm going to have, I'm going to lose out on business because of this. I'm going to alienate groups of people because of this. And, you know, I'm probably going to get trolled. And I started thinking about all the bad things that could happen once I did this. And I hesitated, and I was like, I don't know if I should do this. And then I was like, no, you know what, I, I have to, because if I don't do this, other people won't either. You know, somebody has to kind of start the chain. And so I definitely um, I definitely hesitated, but I'm, I'm glad that I did it because I feel like the discussion that it's been sparking is important. And I'm, I'm glad you did it too because I think it did shine a, a light on, on something that should be, uh, discussed, uh, not just a particular instance, but, you know, of, you know, how, you know, one of the things you did mention that I don't really, really didn't cover, one thing you mentioned in the blog post, you can go to the tubbyconcoos.com, uh, the link is on the show page as well, if you want to get to it from that way, uh, you can go and read the blog post, and you can talk about how, you know, um, you know, you know, certain layers of, you know, privilege that exist, and how, you know, I have, you know, certain layers of privilege, and, you know, Candice, you have some, and where where yeah. you are, and others where you're not, and Shireen, the same applies to you. And you know, it, you know, it comes down to you know, there are people who you know actively working to you know acknowledge the privilege that they do have and seeking to use that privilege for good and to try and you know eliminate it. Um, to try and make sure that you know the way that you're born doesn't impact um, you know your potential opportunities that come in life. And then there are other people who um, just are completely oblivious uh, to their privilege and, you know, get insulted when you dare question, you know, mm-hmm. what they're doing and, and their output on life when it's obvious that they haven't done kind of a any self-reflection in seeing, you know, hey, I could do a better job of doing this or I could I could use my position you know, for this guy as a, you know, as somebody who's very well read in comics, I could use this position to, you know, advocate for positive, good, positive change. And instead, you know, he acts like a dismissive prick who, you know, just doesn't want to listen uh, to, um, you know, what other people have to say. And, you know, I've said it on the show before, I'm not a necessarily big fan of telling people, you know, of, of, you know, who are privileged to shut up and listen, like some people will say, but, you have to listen. You have to. You have to sit there. You have to listen. You have to allow, you know, people who have life experiences different than yours to actually speak up and say something and listen. And if you have questions, ask. And if you have, you know, points you want to make, ask them in a resp- or state them in a respectful way and have a good, polite dialogue about what's going on. And we don't have to agree on everything, especially on how to how to how to you know do this. But at least we can be agreeable and we can actually, you know work towards a, a, a shared common good, which is, you know, the idea that everybody, you know, should start off from an equal point in life and not necessarily have to be held back because of any particular thing. So, um, 
Serena, is there anything final you want to say? Or um, I, you know, just encourage people to read the blog if they get a chance and engage in this discussion wherever they can about diversity issues, especially, you know, with everything going on now. And uh, is that it? Okay. And Candace, do you want to give a final, final plug or anything else that you want to say? Um, yeah, I mean, I want to definitely agree with what Shireen said. Talk about it whenever you can. Come and visit me at the bookshop. I'll be happy to talk to anyone who has any kind of differing opinion as well. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely willing to listen. And um, and I also have a podcast. We'll probably be talking about um, this on there as well. Um, it's on WRBH. Uh, what you can look that up on the website as well. It's called Novel Ideas. Um, and we will probably, we already have some posted uh, where we talked about this uh, in our Gen Con uh, post. It's only 15 minutes, um, so it's super short, uh, but we'll be talking about this on there as well in the future. Okay, well, great. I wanted to thank you both for coming on. I appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead, and uh, it's a good thing I extended the show for an extra 30 minutes because we definitely ran a little <laughs> over, but, you know, it, Sorry, it, was, it was a good conversation, and it, it, it didn't feel right stopping it at that point. So, But thank you both for coming on. You're more than welcome to come on and discuss this or anything else you want to talk about. I'd be more than happy to have you. Thank you so, so much, Dan. appreciate it. All right, y'all have a good night. You too. Okay, and that is the end of Liberal Dan Radio for this week. I encourage you to uh, um, share this post. If you liked what was said on this show or any others, just share it with your friends. Uh, uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, Liberal Dan Radio on iTunes. You can find it there, or you can download individual shows from uh, Blog Talk Radio's page, or you can find it from uh, liberaldan.com as well. Uh, until next you can always follow me always at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan, and, of course, LiberalDan.com. Until next week at 8 o'clock New Orleans time, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right.